Well, here we are, and it's Aiden Jones. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 9th of June, 2020. Fuck, man. This one, I have been looking forward to doing the pod this week and also kind of now I feel like, all right, I'm doing it. And, you know, like I'm a little scared. Fuck, what a week. Where do I start? With a sip of tea is where I need to start. Oh, my God. Thank you. Beautiful, warm liquid so much. Um, That lady, we, we broke up on Sunday. And I don't even feel like that's the start, but that's a fucking as good a place to start as any, isn't it? And, like, we'd kind of broken up. I've, we'd kind of broken up. Uh, and then got, you know, we had that fucking big chat a few weeks ago and, um, it had been pretty tenuous since then. And on Sunday we decided to call it and I've been just feeling a whole bunch of different shit that I'm gonna, I guess, try and talk about now. Um, oh, I will start on, uh, the fucking pro- I don't know. No, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to start with this, man. Like, I just, all I want to do is talk about it and I don't even know where to start fucking talking about it. I wrote a joke that was kind of about it, um, basically saying that if you asked, if you ask me, I'm, I would love to say she broke up with me and I reckon if you asked her, she'd say I broke up with her because basically... And maybe this is our problem or maybe this is just what we are. Like we are two people who desperately want it to be the other person's fault that we're not being together because we value the connection that we have so much and it is so great and we both genuinely care about each other a lot. And so every time we came to talking about whether we were going to keep seeing each other or if we were going to stop seeing each other. It it was basically coming down to like a staring contest, you know, who's going to blink first, who's going to be the one to be like, actually, I can't do this anymore because my feeling about it is very much if I am the one who says like, I can't do this anymore, it kind of feels like a failure and neither of us wanted to be that person. It, it like... The joke that I'm trying to write is kind of like, you know, when you're like, you hang up. No, you hang up. But it gets kind of angry. Like, no, you fucking hang up. Well, all right, if that's what you need from me, then I will hang up because you want me to. Well, if you need me to need that, then fine. You do what you have to do because this is about you. And it's just that we had a conversation on Sunday and it did kind of feel a little bit like that. And we uh, we basically just re- uh, look. Th- all right, I want to talk about what I can learn because I think that's the most important thing. And I'm probably in talking about this gonna drift into the anger and and like hurt that I have around it. But um, I'm what I'm trying to take away from this is like, yes, she's got some things that she can deal with or whatever. She's there are some things about her that meant that we couldn't be together. But there are also some things about me that meant that we couldn't be together. We both have things that we brought into the relationship that um, that 
contributed to its demise and it's so fucking tempting and I think what I've done for my whole life and my history in relationships is I have been so quick to analyze the situation and dwell on what the other person did and like what I could have done better to accommodate them rather than looking at me and going actually what am I bringing to the table and how can I change the way that I behave to get the results that I want which is a loving relationship you know um so on uh on all right on on Tuesday last week she called me in the evening and she was upset and she uh asked if I could come around and I said yes and I did and I felt really good. I wanted to do that. Um, she was upset and I wanted to be the person who could comfort her and, and you know, be there to listen to how she was feeling and whatever. And that was really nice and that her calling me made me feel like we were on a good road that it was like, it was like, well, if she trusts me enough to, to lean on me in that way, that means that we must be getting somewhere you know and then on Thursday I was fit last week for me was fucking horrific not just because of this but because like Blake and Liz moving out of the place um, means that I have to find a new housemate and I realized actually looking through all of my history in houses since I moved out of home the first time when I was 19 and then I moved back and then I moved away properly when I was 21. I moved to Melbourne. And I'll, look, I'll list, this is my living situation history from 21. I moved to Melbourne, lived in a hostel for two months, then took the first place that some friends were like, hey, we've got a place, do you want to move in? I said, yes. And I moved into there for about a year and a bit. And then someone had a room going above a pub and they, uh, they were like, you could move in. And so I did. So again, I took the first offer and then I moved to London, lived in a hostel again for two months, took the first thing that was offered to me. A friend said, we've got a room, do you want to move in? I said, yep, moved, lived in there for just over a year again and then uh, got kicked out and was looking for a place and took the first offer. I've lived in this awful warehouse. That was the first place that was ever offered to me there. Then after that, I moved back to Melbourne. I lived with one friend for two weeks and then I moved into uh, with Blake and his girlfriend and another couple who we were friends with and I lived there and then me and Blake moved out into the first place that was offered to us then. We didn't look for places but after about six, eight months living in that other place, Blake and I moved out into another five-bedroom share house and then here, I looked for this place and I was offered this place and I took it. So I have never really taken strong steps to take control of my living situation. For 10 years almost, I've taken the first offer in terms of like where I can live and I never even really kind of looked at that and, and realized that. And what that means, what that says to me is that I'm someone who does not cope well with the stress of having an uncertain living situation. <clears throat> and uh, I only realized that because last week on Thursday, it was confirmed that Blake and Liz are moving out. They've got a date. They're moving out on Saturday. They found a new place and great, good for them. And now I, though, have to find someone to take the other room. And it's kind of, I felt like it had to be now, like soon, like yeah, and so I put a lot of pressure on myself because I was like, I want to find the right person and I started looking for them and doing it 
And I just all Thursday, I just had that kind of looming over me and a few things weren't working out. Like I, I fucking something about Facebook wanted my number or something and it wasn't working and I couldn't get the listing and places and people weren't messaging me and I felt like I wasn't going to be able to find anyone and I started freaking out. And so the girl that I was seeing, as soon as she came home from work, she messaged me, hey, and I just unloaded on her straight away. Like, oh my God, I'm having the worst day. This sucks. I fucking really need a hug right now. And uh, she was like, oh, yeah, I could I could maybe fucking see you. And as soon as she said that, like, yes, in any way, I was just fucking closed my laptop, picked all my books up, put my bag on and just fucking ran over to her house and um, and and just was there ready to be comforted, you know. And um, as it happens, she had just come from something that was like pretty intense as well. But... Um, I wasn't ready to be there for her or hear about that or listen to that in any meaningful way. I just felt like I was there for me and I was being quite selfish in that moment. And I didn't realize it at the time. And I think if I'm honest with myself, I I reckon it was almost like she, I felt that she owed me, uh, <coughs> she owed me from Tuesday, you know, which isn't fair at all. And I, I mean, I know if you put that to me, I fucking, of course that's not fair. That's crazy. I didn't want to comfort her to get one back. I wanted to comfort her because I wanted to comfort her and because I care about her. But still, there's a, something about me that I'm entitled where I feel like I'm entitled to that. And I didn't notice that in the moment. I didn't wasn't able to check myself. I just kind of went in and took it quite selfishly without asking and demanded that like you have to take care of me now <clears throat> and um so you know she did she was nice about it and then on friday she didn't really talk to me that much uh and then on saturday we had organized to go to the protest together this is the black lives matter protest in melbourne and uh, i was kind of feeling on friday that fucking where's this fly i saw a fucking mouse in here before by the way oh i mean actually i don't want to talk about that too much because i'm talking about the fucking thing but fucking mouse the other day i had to kill a mouse oh my god flies my life is hard enough <laughs> um, the uh yeah there was a mouse in the kitchen we finally got one of those kill mouse traps after getting the no kill one no good getting the the bait that they're supposed to eat no good finally got a kill mouse trap and one fucking snapped in the morning i came out and liz was like oh i think that was a mouse trap and there was a mouse kind of spasming on the floor and i had to get the sweeper from the broom and whatever sweepy thing and go bang 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 <laughs> fuck it just murder it on the kitchen top <laughs> And I'm not going to lie, it felt good to finally get one, man. To finally get one of those. But I saw another one in here before and I'm like, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to kill you. That's what's going to happen. My week has been too tough, all right? I need, <laughs> I don't think that's the reality. I don't think I'm, if anyone, that's actually a really fucked thing to say, isn't it? <laughs> I've been broken up with, so I need to kill a mouse to feel better. Fuck. Look, I don't think that's genuinely the reality of my feelings, but it is a funny joke to make, but I need to clarify because that is something that people could really take and be like, this guy's killing small animals because <laughs> that's fucked, man. Nah, that's not me, bro. That's not me. I'm a fucking chill dude. <laughs> so, um, 
Oh. So that was the energy that me and this girl were going into Saturday with, uh, was this unspoken thing where I don't even think she really consciously realized that that was what had happened on Thursday night. And then on Friday, she didn't really talk to me. And in, at the, in the evening, I asked her, <clears throat> like, how are you? And what time do you want me to come around tomorrow? And she literally, she just said midday, just one word. I was like, how are you? How's your day? You're right. I'd sent her a message about something else in the morning, no reply. And in the evening, I was like, forget about that. Just how are you? How's your day? Whatever. What time should I come around for the protest tomorrow? She just said midday. And I said, are you okay? And then like hours later, she said, um, she said, yeah, I've just got people like, like out like six hours later. She was like, I just got people around. And so I've felt like kind of hurt by that. I was like, what the fuck? Why is she not talking to me? Like even normally when she had people around, she would still say, but that time she didn't. And so I feel like, I felt like she didn't want me to come on Saturday or that we would need to have a conversation before I did, but it didn't really feel like we were going to have the chance to. And I was scared if I just said, do you not want me to come? I was scared that she was going to say no. So I just didn't ask. I um, I showed up on Saturday with a gift, not really for her, more for her housemate for some other shit, but whatever. I showed up with a gift and uh, didn't really feel very welcomed at all by her. I guess she, uh, it felt like she just wanted to have the day with her friends and it felt like maybe we both knew that me and her owed each other a conversation, but we weren't ready to have it at that point. And I wasn't ready to leave because I felt like I just, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't leave. I was scared that she didn't want me there. And I was trying to tell myself that she did, that she was just busy with other stuff. But I reckon what was up was she, we just, me and her needed to have a conversation about what had happened in the week. And we didn't have that chance. And that day wasn't about that. It was about the protest. So we went to the protest, tried to pretend that everything was fine. <clears throat> and it wasn't. And we got on each other's nerves that day. Um, she made a few, I, I made some like jokes at the protest that got under her nerves. Cause I was just trying to, that was how I was dealing with the, uh, on a completely other note, the protest itself, my God, how fucking tense and full of emotion was that? I don't know if anyone went in Melbourne or any other cities. Oh my God. I, uh, I really wasn't prepared for it, to be honest. I wasn't prepared for how angry people were. Um... It's hard to really divorce the two feelings for me though, between that day with this girl and the feelings of like fear and anger and resentment that I had towards her on that day. And then my um, feelings about the protest and it was hard to kind of identify what feelings came from what because the protest itself... <clears throat> um, the walking and the the trying to listen to what the speakers were saying was cool and it was like, you know, some indigenous speakers and there was an American guy or something. We were listening on the radio for a bit and that all kind of felt fine. But then when we started marching down marching or walking down Burke Street, there were um there was a line of police on uh on horseback, like maybe twenty of them, all in there like fluoro yellow police gear and they were all stood there and there were a bunch of protesters standing around them 
like yelling at them. And what it felt like to me was that the protesters were like goading the police going like, come on, are you going to fu- come on, be violent? Because that would have really fit the narrative very well, I think, was if the police had been violent. And uh, from talking to the girl that I was with and her friends, they felt like the police were there, like that they shouldn't have been there. They kind of, what they were saying on the day was like, they, they're they here to intimidate us and fuck them, which I disagreed with. I think they have to be there. The police, of course, have to be there. But then when me and the girl talked the next day, she kind of said, well, no, of course they have to be there. But it felt like maybe the nuance of the situation was that those police were there, but there were no other people there to try and moderate conflicts. They were only there to intimidate and show force rather than to show care to the people that were there, which I can agree with. I can agree with that. Um, and maybe there's something in the in the world of policing that doesn't allow for any kind of, I don't know. I couldn't stand there while everyone, I had to kind of walk away a little bit to the side because everyone was just standing there and looking at the cops and there was just, it was a lot of anger and that's what I wasn't ready for. But I think it was good for me to experience it because I don't think I understood exactly how angry people were. Like I see the anger online or whatever. I don't, as much as I hate that, police are um killing you know indigenous people in this country black people in america and and it just there's a lot of police brutality and violence and the system is broken and of course i agree with all of that but um i don't feel the anger i guess because it just doesn't really affect my life directly i don't understand the anger and i don't feel it so much so when people were over there yelling at those cops my initial reaction was like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? That doesn't feel like the reason we're here. The reason we're here, as far as I could tell, was to listen to what the people had to say who had been chosen to speak and then to walk through the city and show solidarity <clears throat> with uh, the people who are affected by this police brutality, which is Indigenous people and black people in America and just to show solidarity, right? And it didn't feel like the reason we were there was to come and yell at some police officers, but some people are angrier than me and they feel that anger. And so when they see the police there, it is understandable that they're just going to have a visceral reaction and go, fuck you, you're the reason that this happened. And it's maybe not right, but anger is a powerful emotion, more powerful than that logic. And it's not for me to judge anyone's anger and say that they're not right to do that. So I don't, I didn't want to do that. I didn't feel comfortable with joining in, but I'm also not going to condemn the people who did do that because I try to be like, I understand that fucking sucks. But me and this girl and her friends did not agree on that. And she, (sighs) that day we didn't talk about it. I just left at that point pretty much. I was like, I need to go home. I can't be here anymore. And then the next day when we talked about it, she kind of brought it up and said she didn't agree with my behavior at the rally. But to be honest, it didn't feel like that was about that. The reason we broke up is not because we have subtly different views on police brutality towards people of color. Like that's not as much as that may be a thing that we disagreed on. There's not people don't break up because of that. Well, that's not why we broke up anyway. That's kind of what this is now getting into my anger is it felt like she was just taking pot shots at me rather than actually wanting to talk about the reason that we were feeling antipathy towards each other. And I think the reason was something that I can control for me is that I 
was too needy and asked too much of her emotionally when I should have been able to, even just on that Thursday night, stop and wait and think, is she ready for me to come over and dump all of my emotions on her? Should I just ask? Should I check if she needs a bit of time to prepare herself for that? rather than as soon as she says, I'm home, just close my laptop and run over to her house. I think that was kind of selfish of me and needy and that's something that I can work on. And, um, oh, God. This is so fucking hard, man, because I'm really bummed that this has happened because I really feel like we could have done more and I genuinely do feel like she called it. Like we had this conversation. I was walking around on Sunday after her friends had left her house. She said she had time to talk and I was walking around the streets and I said this stuff and she said the stuff about not liking the joke that I made or the jokes that I made when we were at the rally and I was like, yeah, look, that's I think just my way of processing it. That's just whatever. And eventually we got to this point where she said I'd thought – that when we had that chat a few weeks ago, th- it was going to be easy for us to just slip into like a casual thing where we see each other and have great sex and have go out to nice dinners and, and have nice conversations, but we don't need to keep checking in with each other and having these like intense emotional conversations. And I said, I think that is not possible because... To have all of those nice things, you need to have this other stuff. Like it's always going to be work. You can't have amazing sex with someone without that trust and the way that trust is established and maintained is through difficult conversations where we share things about ourselves and maybe become vulnerable to a point where we might have to admit some sorts of wrongdoing. (coughs) And she, by the sounds of it, said uh, that she wasn't able to do that, that her life, she started talking about her life was too complicated. But to be honest, I don't buy that. I think she she just didn't want to do it. Whatever after that, it's like my life at the moment. Ah, it's okay. You don't need to excuse. Just you didn't want to fucking do it. And yes, I'm still angry. Ugh. So I said, all right, do you have anything else to say? And she said, no. And I said, okay, thank you. And she said, thank you. And I said, goodbye. I hung up the phone and I was ready for that to be it, but She messaged me and said she wanted to hang out one more time and have coffee and have like a nice goodbye because the last time that we were together was so bad. But I just, I don't think I'm fucking, that didn't feel like it was for for us. That felt like it was for her, that she wanted this nice thing. And I'm like, you know what? If you, fucking the video fucking stopped. Why does my fucking video recorder keep stopping? I hate, (laughs) God, I'm so upset, aren't I? Oh, that's me starting the video recorder again. Fucking, ah, I thought Max was supposed to be easy to use and just always work. <laughs> I, got, I clearly, you guys listening to this can tell, I clearly have a lot of fucking emotion that I need to work through right now. Um, last night uh, was comedy in the shed again. Thank you, by the way, to everyone who came to that. Um, the second one was again an unmitigated success we packed it out again with the 20 people that you're allowed to have (coughs) and uh, yeah it was fucking awesome 
that last night, so I, 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 on Sunday, I uh, said to this girl, or maybe, yeah, even yesterday morning, I just said, look, I need for you to not message me at all anymore. I know you think you're being supportive and kind and showing me love and all this stuff and that you're now like, this is just what you do to the people you care about, but not for me. No, I don't need that. Um, what I need is for you to not talk to me anymore so I can move on. And um, so I just said that to her in the morning and I felt like I was quite firm, but I felt like I was angry. So I kind of told her, this is going to seem cold, but this is just what I need from you right now. And then in uh, in the evening, <clears throat> I was by myself. I found someone, by the way, I found someone to move into the place. That's all good. So that's resolved. On Sunday, I found uh, this fucking cool lady who's a bit older, but she's still like, she was really excited about the comedy and all that. So I think she's going to be great. So that's resolved. Me and this girl have broken up and um, I'm setting up for the comedy and I'm like, this is so nice that I still have this to do and this is a thing that I love and I'm so happy that I get to do this and put this show on. And I started setting up and I just remembered last week when she was here with me helping me set it up and I felt like I kind of took that for granted, you know, like I... I just remembered that she was there like setting up the lights and I saw the like the job that she did with the lights looping them over each other and it was a good job and it looked great and um, I just remembered her doing that and I was like, fuck, I, I didn't realize the support that I needed wasn't on Thursday to go and cry to her because I couldn't find a fucking person to fill the room. The support that I actually needed that I didn't even realize that she was giving me was coming in my house on the Monday and setting up the show with me and just being there because it's scary to set a show up. Like to run a show is nerve wracking because you're like, what if no one comes? It's like you're throwing a party. What if no one comes and that means that no one cares about this thing that I'm doing that I care about, but no one else gives a fuck about it. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. Maybe I shouldn't be putting my energy and time into this. Those are the thoughts going through my head when I'm setting it up and uh, last week to have her there while I was going through that and doing that for the first time really meant a lot and it was really, um, yeah, I just, I think I took it for granted. I didn't realize at the time just how important to me that was until yesterday when she wasn't there and I saw the things that she had done the week before and I was just like, fuck, this sucks and I wanted to message her so bad and be like, I'm sorry, I whatever come back and be here with me <laughs> but um but I can't because it's not just me who needs to change for it to have worked and she there's some things that she needs to work on as well and I can't do that for her and that is why we've broken up it's not just me it's not just her it's both of us and we can't be together and that fucking hurts so much because so much of what we had is good and it's like surely we can just change isn't that like Shouldn't that just be so easy? But it's fucking not because it's not easy to to notice what you're doing in the moment when you're doing it to someone else. And it's easy to look back at, at later and apologize. But by that point, like the damage is already done, isn't it? So fucking cheers. Thank you to you, lady, whose name I still, I won't say it on the pod. Thank you for the time that we had for fucking what you gave me. And um, thank you guys for listening to this. Fucking hell. What a dump. <laughs> oh, my God. 
How fucking long has that been? Jesus, almost the full half hour. Well, I got some more shit to say. I think a um, couple things. Oh, what I want to do on the pod, a new thing that I'm going to try and do every week is I'm going to try and talk about something that isn't from my personal life because I feel like I've been spending the last fucking my whole life talking about myself and trying to figure out my feelings and how I feel about things and that's great but uh, it could also be cool to maybe think about stuff that isn't from my life every now and then so I want to talk about something from the outside world every week and this week something that I found that I thought was interesting uh, that I guess segues nicely into my personal life because it's a part of it as well but because I went to that Black Lives Matter rally um this lady, what's her name? Jacinta Price uh, has is an Indigenous care worker in like Alice Springs, um, and she's an Indigenous woman as well. Alice Springs councillor Jacinta Price has told Sky News of the reality of the circumstances, and basically what she's saying is like, and I didn't even realise this, but so true. A lot of or the whole narrative in. Um, the Black Lives Matter rally in Melbourne on Saturday was there were so many signs going like black, I think it was 434 now or 35 um, indigenous deaths in custody since 1991, which is awful. Um, but the whole narrative was basically the the violence that white people and white culture and white Australia is, is perpetrating on indigenous people. And uh, this lady's saying that it's ignoring a lot of the violence that Indigenous people are perpetrating on each other that's still to do with the system that we all live in, but just because it's not white people doing it, we only feel guilty about the shit that we're doing rather than the shit that people are doing to each other. And she's saying if we really cared about Indigenous people, we wouldn't just look at the white people killing the indigenous people would look at the indigenous people killing the indigenous people and try and help in whatever way we can across the board um and she's saying this kind of really fucking uh hurt me or hurt me or it was like it really is a, a, a viewpoint that i hadn't considered before she said um oh brutal <laughs> <laughs> they've even <laughs> in this article uh they've they've called her mrs price miss price at the start and then later they've called her mr price <laughs> oh god even in an article talking about a new viewpoint on this thing and they've fucking someone evidently a fucking journalist in their head is like these thoughts are very rational and just subconsciously going it must be a mr price right sure <laughs> We are all fucked, aren't we? Here's some of her words. She said, Mrs. Miss Price said, the idea that they can pump themselves up, make themselves feel virtuous. Half the time, these protesters and these supporters don't really know what it is they're attempting to support. Ignorance that's uh, Mrs. And this is where it says Mr. Price. Miss <laughs> Price lambasted the ignorance that's being bred through the left right now, who seemingly ignored that almost 70% of Aboriginal men and women incarcerated are incarcerated for acts of violence against their loved ones. So against other Aboriginal men and women. You don't care because the perpetrators are also black. People only care if there is seen to be a white perpetrator. It's not racism that is killing our people. It is the actions of our own people. And that is, I think, a difficult fact maybe for us to reckon with, isn't it? 
because I read that and I go, well, fuck then is that something that we have to try and support? Like, you know, I mean, it is our problem because it's our world and we all fucking live in it. And it's not like that's their problem because then again, that's like they're other than us and we should all be fucking trying to do something in this together. But it'd be nice to talk to that lady and go, what can we do to help that? But I think it's uncomfortable. I think it's uncomfortable maybe for um, people on the left and people like myself who would have gone to that protest. It's uncomfortable for us to think about indigenous people perpetrating violence on other indigenous people because then it's like it almost feels like acknowledging that fact kind of gives white people a way to be like "Eh, it's not us we're not doing it so we don't have to change it's like no we are doing it as well but also so are they and everyone's fucked and we all got to try and help each other the issue is more complicated than 435 deaths in custody. That was, okay, I think that maybe is what kind of upset me about the anger. I was thinking about this before is anger, when people get angry and they feel angry, expressing that anger at someone feels good because it feels like you're right in that moment. When you're angry and when you're yelling at a cop, all those people it felt like were doing that because they were like, finally, here's the bad guy. I found him. I can yell at them and I feel justified in doing that because fuck you. Um, and it feels kind of arrogant almost to, to kind of go, this is the point now where I stop collecting data. I've, I know everything that I need to know about this and I'm finally ready to go, it's your fault. Fuck you. And it's like... As soon as you get angry, you stop learning because you're now just yelling at someone and 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 you fucking... That's like the whole antithesis of what we're there trying to do, you know? Yeah, I get it. Some cops kill people, but those cops didn't kill people and they're just there because they have to be there. And yeah, maybe it's a fucking weird thing to want to be a cop. I wouldn't ever be a cop, but they're fucking good people are cops, man. They're not the bad people. We all have shittiness in us and to sit there and blame one fucking person seems disingenuous and and self-indulgent and just fucking wrong, man. I really, really hate it. I hated the fact that, yeah, here's the relationship again. There we go. It's back to me. And there's me trying to get angry, trying to tell everyone what I'm angry at. God, I'm just going around in circles, aren't I? The the protest was a scary place. It felt like a lot of human emotion just set loose on the world. And uh, I was... (sighs) Fucked me up. But also that fucking relationship has just fucked me up a bit. How's that on Sunday I thought I was ready to just go sleep with someone again? (laughs) I mean... I'm ready to talk to someone and like, you know, I feel like I'm ready to be honest with with, um, with anyone and maybe meet someone and have that be a possibility. But just to think, like I was sitting there going, I reckon I'm on to sleep with someone on Monday night. <laughs> oh my God, mate. <laughs> no fucking way, cunt. No way. Um, yeah. It was nice last night. I fucking met a couple people and was just sitting down afterwards just talking about the fucking everything that had happened and it was nice to talk about it and to just whinge for a little bit and be like, I'm sad. (sighs) Anyway, if you want to read that article, um, it's pretty, I pretty much just read the whole thing then. Oh, my fingerprints just stopped working. My fingerprint doesn't work on my phone. Jacinta Price 
Jacinta with a T Price uh, was talking about that. She'll be quoted in a bunch of different places, but a very different perspective that I hadn't heard and maybe something to complicate an already complicated issue further. <sighs> All right. The picture from this week uh, is going to be Liz and I on Sunday morning went for a great walk. Uh, I was talking to her about what I thought I needed to do. Um what I thought I needed to do with this girl and, and the conversation and she was able to give me a female perspective on the thing and it was real cool. And then we went to a cafe, realized that uh, there's a cafe called El Mirage. Why did I fucking say it like that? Oh my God, I suck. Uh, they say a cafe called El Mirage. Uh, Como se dice in English? Uh, there's a cafe called El Mirage, all right? Fucking God, I rate myself so highly. <laughs> Just as soon as there's a Spanish word, I need to do my little Spanish accent to be like, do you know my biological father was actually half Colombian? Uh. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, we went to a cafe called El Mirage and it was open and they were sitting down for breakfast and... Liz and I sat down and just had a coffee out of porcelain mugs each and it was so nice and we took a photo. So that's the photo that I'm going to use. If you want to see that with the Google Deep Dream fucking uh, effects on it that I put on this week, uh, at Sitting Under Podcast on Instagram. And if you want to come to more of the Shed gigs, they're on every Monday now for the rest of June. And then hopefully going into the future, man. I mean, there's already a few people have booked for next week. And people were saying they want to come back. It was sick. I've had a few comics messaging me. Uh, Michael Schaefer, just now I've seen, has sent me a message and I know it's him sending me a message asking for a spot. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> yeah, real, real fucking pumped for those. Go on my Instagram, Aiden Jones Comedy, and the link for tickets is in the bio there. I'll be posting more of that. And the song for this week, oh, that's right. I've got one last thing I want to talk about. This is so nice. A great end, I reckon. So the song this week is called Love to Angie by Red Astaire, who's a DJ. And it's a mashup of this song that, god damn, my stupid ass phone. You may have heard this song before. It took me a minute to realize what it was. Um, I thought it was a Billie Holiday song because it starts with a quote from Billie Holiday's, uh, where is it? Billie Holiday's biography, I think, uh, read by a man. And so I kind of looked up some of the t like details in that quote and it was pertaining to Billie Holiday's life. And so I thought it was by her and it's like, if so, you know, incredible, but it's not, it's by Angie Stone. So it's, uh, wish I didn't miss you by Angie Stone, but the song that I'm going to put at the end of this podcast is a kind of remix of it by this DJ Red Astaire and the remix is called Love to Angie. Um, but the quote at the start of it, I'm just going to read this excerpt from the book because I was walking around yesterday listening to it and it really resonated with me, even though I didn't get cheated on or whatever, which is kind of what the song's about. It just, the, I wish I didn't miss you anymore, you know, it was like, I mean, I fucking only, we only broke up on Sunday, but I just, yesterday I did really miss her and I was walking around and then in, in the evening setting up for the show and I really fucking felt that. So here's the quote and then I'll play out with the song. 
Uh, one of the songs I wrote and recorded has my... So this is from Billie Holiday in her biography. The biography is called Lady Sings the Blues by Billie Holiday. One of the songs I wrote and recorded has my marriage to Jimmy Monroe written all over it. I guess I always knew what I was letting myself in for when he married me. I knew this beautiful white English girl was still in town. He didn't admit it, of course, but I knew. One night he came in with lipstick on his collar. Mum had moved to the Bronx by then and we were staying there when, when, he, when we were in New York. I saw the lipstick. He saw it and he started explaining and explaining. I could stand anything but that. Lying to me was worse than anything he could have done with any bitch. I cut him off just like that. Take a bath, man, I said. Don't explain. That should have been the end of it. But that night stuck in my crop. I couldn't forget it. The words don't explain, don't explain kept going through my damn head. I had to get it out of my system some way, I guess. The more I thought about it, it changed from an ugly scene to a sad song. Soon I was singing phrases to myself. Suddenly I had a whole song. I went downtown one night and sat with Arthur Herzog. He played the tune over the, on the piano, wrote down the words, changing two or three phrases, softening it up just a little. This is one song I couldn't sing without feeling every minute of it. I still can't. Many a bitch has told me she broke up every time she heard it. So if anybody deserves credit for that, it's Jimmy, I guess, and the others who keep coming home with lipstick on their faces. When that stops happening, Don't Explain will be as dated as the black bottom, but until then, it will always be a standard. So that full quote doesn't really, isn't really that relevant to what I'm fucking going through, but in the song, at the start of the song, it's evidently lifted from the audiobook of her um, biography and they've kind of chopped it up to make it seem like it's about the song that's about to play and wish I didn't miss you anymore. Woo! Anyway, I think I've just about fucking gone on long enough here. Damn, that's as long as I've ever done, I reckon. This is the podcast, you guys. Thanks so much for listening. Next song coming up, you'll hear Love to Angie by Red Astaire. This has been Aiden Jones, Sitting Under a Tree. songs I wrote and recorded as my marriage to Jimmy Monroe written all over it. I guess I always knew what I was letting myself in for. One night he came in with lipstick on his collar. Started explaining, explaining. Take a bath, man, I said. Don't explain. And the more I thought about it, it changed from an ugly scene to a sad song. Soon I was singing phrases to myself, and suddenly I had a whole song. This is one song I can't sing without feeling every minute of it.